Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. Spirit of the living God, I pray, Lord, that you fall fresh on us today. God, I thank you that this, I believe this is an ordained word for somebody, tailor-made for somebody in the room today. I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth, I pray that it accomplishes what it's meant and sent to do. God, I pray that I would not say anything through vain, vain deceit, but in lowliness of mind, I pray that I would consider others more than I do myself. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would move in our midst. Ephesians chapter 3, Lord, where you said that you would grant unto us by your rich treasure and glory, strengthen us, reinforce us with might to our inner man, the Holy Spirit himself, to our inmost being and personality. God, I pray for those that need strength in the room today to fight the good fight of faith. I pray, God, that you would encourage them. Pray for those that have been prayed for up here. I pray, God, that I just pray for a miracle to happen in their situation. And God, today, we say that. We run to the Father. We run to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, do what only you can do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came to church this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, who is happy to be in the house of God today? Amen. Well, there's just a few things that I want to share with you. Obviously, we are right in the middle of VBS. You guys seeing this? And uh, let's give all of our creative team a hand that put all of this together. We got more to do even after uh, it starts at 5.30 tonight. And so bring your kids up here. There's, uh, I don't know, there'll probably be, I think there's 100 registered already. But isn't that awesome that God is, uh, you know, what an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we can get together on the first Sunday of every month and pray that the, uh, that, uh, the gospel would be preached. But can I tell you, you're, you're messing up if you just pray. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I believe this is an awesome way for us to do that and let the light of God shine through AOL. Amen? Here's number two. I want to tell you, next week is uh, 4th of July, hashtag America. And... Uh, how many of y'all happy to meet Americans this morning? Amen. Well, with that being so, we've, we've you know, it's, it's summertime, lots of people on vacation. We've, we've even noticed even uh, uh, in both of the services. So we're going to combine both services next week, have something special. And uh, I believe the Lord's stirring in my heart really to uh, confront even some more wokeness of America. So y'all be praying for me. And, uh, but I, I've always said this. And, and I believe this with all my heart. Israel is the nation that God chose. But America is the nation that chose God. And uh, I still believe that with all my heart. And I am proud to be an American. Amen. And uh, I believe God's not through with America. And uh, if you think this shirt is loud, you just come next week. The one I have for next week comes with an extension cord. Praise the Lord. All right. And so there'll be one service at 1045. And then also want to always let you guys know about uh, camp meeting coming up at the end of next month. Great time to be together. If you want more information about that, 
It's $40 to register, and that's not only a meal, but that's some other things behind that. But it's a move of God. How many of y'all know uh, there's other things to do, but we, we might as well, in the last days, in the 11th hour, we might as well devote every single time to the Lord. And I, the Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so I'm believing God to pour something out. If you have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm kind of in a transition right now. If you were here last week, I talked about how the Lord was kind of beginning to deal with me on the spirit of Elijah. And can I tell you, I believe this. The same spirit that was in Elijah lives on the inside of me. And I, I'm still putting some things together. But uh, how many of you have ever studied Elijah before? Let me see a show of hands. Can I tell you, and the Lord's really just beginning to, man, stir some things in me of where we are in 2023. Can I tell you, this was happening thousands of years ago. How many of y'all know the devil has no new tricks? He ain't got one new trick in the bag. He's got the change up and he's got the curve. He don't know nothing about the fastball, all right? And here's the deal. We're, we're, we're dumb enough to, to fall for the same tricks that he did. I'm telling you. He gave us his whole playbook in the book of Genesis, what he did with Eve. And the same thing that he did to Eve is the same thing he's trying to do inside of your life today. Now, I ain't got time to go into that particular thing, but the Lord's began to show me some things. And, the, and we used to sing this song, uh, These are the days of Elijah. But really, I, when I was a kid, play, especially playing bass inside the church, I'm like, I am so sick of playing this song. But now that I think about these words, we really are in the days of Elijah. We're in a day, because I believe this, the same spirit that was in Elijah is on the inside of me. And there is also devils out there. One that's called the spirit of Ahab and one of spirit of Jezebel. There is control and there is also passiveness. But the spirit of God deals with passiveness and control. And I believe there needs to be authority in the body of Christ like there's never been before. Because if there's not, I'm telling you, we'll go down just like Eve did in the book of Genesis. Are you hearing me this morning? So I, I'm still, the Lord's still beginning to pour it. But there's a message, actually the Lord gave me this several months ago, maybe even a year ago. But I believe it's for today for somebody for such a time as this. And if you say, you know what, that word's not for me necessarily right now. Put it in your bag because this is one that can be inside of your quiver for an arrow that you're needing to pull out for a time in your life. So we pick up the scene here in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, it says this, and I want to say Elijah, if you study him at all, commentary says this, he's the prophet of power. Another commentator said this, he's the iron man of God. Let's go. I don't know about you, but I could be, I would, I'd love to be like iron man. <clears throat> it says in chapter 19, Elijah. Elijah also too, his name means strength. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And now he had killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like the life of one of them. Can I point out something about this particular text before I even get into this? The Lord reminded me of this this morning. So this woman, Jezebel, says to him, By this time tomorrow I, did not make, I will make your life like the life of one of them, talking about the 450,000 people, or 450. What he said, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. So they've all died, and she's basically saying, there's a death sentence that is on your life, Elijah. That's what he's saying. Can I tell you, 
Also, if you read in 2 Kings chapter 7, there's a story that in Samaria, the same land, that they are in a drought. In fact, they're in a drought that's so bad that the Bible says that they are buying uh, donkeys, heads, and dove dung for 10 shekels. I don't know how much 10 shekels will get you today, but I'm sure it would be better than a donkey's head and dove dung. How many of y'all know you've ran out of wheat when you're buying donkey's head and dove dung? And so the Bible says that the word of the Lord comes upon Elisha, and he says to the, king, the people of Samaria, he says, by this time tomorrow, God will open up the windows of heaven. Can I tell you, every day we can make the choice, tomorrow's going to be a good day or a bad day. There's Jezebels out there that may tell you that it's going to be a bad day, but I'm here to declare by the word of the Lord over my life, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That tomorrow there may be something against me, but I'm still going to declare that tomorrow it's going to be a good day. I got a feeling that tomorrow is going to be a good day. Are you hearing me this morning? So we can make that choice. So then it goes on to say, verse 3, and Elijah was afraid. I'm talking about the hour of power. I'm talking about someone who's stronger than the million dollar man or the heartbreak kid or anybody else on WWE. I'm talking about a guy that there was something big on the inside of him. But this ought to give you some encouragement before I even get into it. The Bible tells us this in James chapter 5 and verse 17. It says that, it says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's good and that's bad. That's good because... The things that Elijah, God used Elijah to do, the same spirit that was in him lives on the inside of me, but also to the same weaknesses that he dealt with, I'm going to deal with as well. But if God gave power to Elijah to confront the things in his life, how many of y'all know God's going to give me power to confront some of the things in my life? Are you hearing me this morning? And so he, uh, he said, a nature like ours with the same physical, mental, and spiritual limitations and shortcomings. And he prayed intensely for it not to rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. So now, we see this person right here. It says, and Elijah was afraid. He was afraid. Now, let me back up just something in the story here. In 1 Kings chapter 16, we see that this new king, Ahab, and this new queen, Jezebel, come on the scene. And the Bible tells us this, that they bring in these gods, the God of Baal and the God of Ashtaroth. The God of Baal, or Baal, however you want to say it, depending on which Bible school you went to. Uh, Baal was intellect, and Ashtaroth was sensuality. In fact, a lot of the stuff that's happened with abortion today, it's a spirit of Ashtaroth is what it is. Killing of children. This is, I'm telling you, the devil has no new tricks. The same things that he did 3,000 years ago is the same things he's doing today. And so, anyways, they introduced this God to the country of what? Israel, Samaria, where the people of God are. How many of y'all know there? He said in the book of Exodus, there will be no other gods before me, is what he said. And so, here comes this prophet on the scene, actually a son of one who was an idolater. So, this is dark days. And the prophet of the Lord, as they did in the old times, he comes on and he gives a judgment. And he said, by the word of the Lord on the inside of me, it will not rain until I say so. It will not rain. That's a judgment. Can I tell you today, even with, it, it's still true today. It's not just in 1 Kings chapter 17, but it's still true today. When you don't heed the commandment of the Lord, there's a judgment that comes upon your life. 
How I many y'all know we need to heed the principles and teachings of the word? So we see in 1 Kings chapter 17, he says, the word of the Lord says this. God is using him to speak to the country. He says, it's not going to rain until I say so. And so, so then he goes down by this brook, and because there is no food in the land, people are dying, crops are drying up. He goes down by this brook, and as he's there, the Bible says that God sends a raven to begin to feed him. How many of y'all know it don't matter what the economy does? We own the... We own, Sorry, we serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand his hills. And if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? And he will supply seed to the sower, and he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Come on, how many of y'all can lift your hands and say, no matter what the economy does, God has blessed me and my house. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And so this is, what, this is just a picture of what the Lord does. No matter what is going on around him, the Lord loves him so much, he sends a raven while he's sitting by the brook, begin to feed him. He's like a little, you know, the ra- I don't know that's how it was, but I can just, come on, get into my imagination with me if you would. So he begins to feed him, and then he goes from there, he goes to this widow's house, and he says, hey, bring me some water, and bring me, bake me a cake, and she's like, like, do you realize it hadn't rained in several years at this particular time, and you're wanting water? He says, do the word of the Lord. He said, and you won't run out of water and you won't run out of flour. And then while he's there, her boy, so she's a widow, her husband's already gone, her, her, her son dies up in, the, uh, up in the balcony part or up, up there, and she goes, why have you come to my house to curse me? He goes up there, the word of the Lord comes upon him, he lays out over this dead boy and new life breathes into him. So, rewind. Here we are. Prophet of the Lord speaks to him. He says it's not going to rain. He calls an audible. How many of y'all know God loves you when you give a word from the Lord and it comes to pass? Amen. I've missed it, but he comes to pass, especially a big one like that. So then he's, he's being fed by the raven. Now he's at the prophet's, or he's at the widow's home, br- br- brings him back to life. So then he goes to this man named Obadiah who's in the courts of Ahab, and with authority he goes to him and says, bring Ahab to me. Ahab doesn't like him because he served the Lord and also because he called an audible and said it's not going to rain. Well, Ahab's upset about that. And he says, you get your prophets together. How many of y'all know we need today men of authority? You know, there's some videos that I see sometimes that happen in subways that happen, uh, subways and, you know, you guys see the same videos of kids and boys that get on subways and do stupid stuff and men just watch it happen. I'm telling you, 20 years ago, that wouldn't happen because there was to be a man on there with authority. And what's happened to the culture today is, is we've taken authority away from the man because you can't say nothing to him because it's a free country and blah, blah, blah. No, 20 years ago, they'd have grabbed him by the finger and said, act like a man, quit acting like a hoodlum. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, we need to confront these things today. So with authority, he goes to Obadiah and says, bring me Ahab. And he says, Ahab, you get your boys together and I'll get mine. So we're going to go up to Mount Carmel. This is what's going to happen. You're going to, we're going to have sacrifices there. You call upon your gods, I'm going to call upon mine. We're going to see what happens. There's a difference of opinions here. And I'm going to show everybody, the land of Israel, during this drought, that my opinion is right and yours is wrong. This sounds like Brandy. All right. <laughs> that was the Spirit of the Lord. Just kidding. She needs to be in here. All right. And so 
Anyways, the difference between two opinions. So then they're doing all their rituals and all their different things to do to call down fire from heaven. 450 of them, the prophets of Baal and Asheroth, and they're, they're doing everything they can. And, he, and then what I love about it is Elijah, he like gets, there's nothing better than a man of God with some sarcasm. They're dancing. They're like, wait, doing the floss? He's like, you're not doing the floss just right. You need to use your hips a little better, and fire will come down. Okay, that's not it. All right, you need to do the sprinkler. All right? No, it's not the sprinkler. Maybe it's the lawnmower. Do the lawnmower just a little bit better, and here will come. He begins to make fun of him, and nothing happens. He said, all right, you ready to see who the one true living God is? There's 450 of you. There's one of me, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So before... He even prays. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put some ditches around this, and I want you to fill it full of water. Well, it hadn't rained. This is a typical preacher asking for money during a move of God. You can laugh if you want to. I'm a preacher. I totally get it. And so he's like, bring me some water. So they bring water, and he said, that's not good enough. Typical preacher again. We need more. And so he, they bring some more, and they bring some more, and they fill up the ditch around him. Now, why would you want water when you're calling down fire from heaven? Before he even ends his prayer, fire of God falls and, and burns it and licks up all the water. So then he turns to the 450 prophets. This is a man. This is a man of God. This is why we ought to thank God for those, our servicemen. Come on, let's give it up for our airmen, our army, our marines. Don't ever think because you took the life of somebody else that you're not a man of God. Don't, don't uh, think that for, for uh, when you fought for your country, there's a whole different difference there than it is murder. And if you need help with that, you come see me. All right? I'm not even going to get into that. But this is what I love. He turns from that moment with the Lord and he goes to the 450 and he kills them. So... Do you believe the hand of God is on Elijah? Do you think the Lord loves Elijah? Do you think he is a man of God? Absolutely. Kills the 400 prophets, still with blood on his hands. He goes to a posture of prayer. He begins to pray, and he prays seven times. He goes to his servants, and he says, hey, go look and see if it's raining yet. And he said, all I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, look again, look again, look again, look again, look again, look again. Seven times he looks. In a posture of prayer, he said, oh, it's coming. So then he begins to run. He said, I'm running back. And Ahab is in his chariot. And he, the spirit of Forrest Gump came on him. And he just felt like running. And he ran. The Bible says he outran the chariot. I'm going to ask this again. Do you think this is a man of God? So now we get to the text right here in 19. So I'm bringing to you some context this morning. Now Ahab told Jezebel that all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid. He killed 450 prophets. And now a woman comes on the scene. Can I tell you, I, I, have, I have shod fire-breathing dragons where, like, I was so nervous shooting this horse, you couldn't get a needle in my butt with a sledgehammer. 
All right? And Brandy, Bo, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. Brandy can do something, say something, and I tell you, get me wound up tighter than Dick's hat band that quick. Can I get an amen from all the men out there? I'm just, I, I don't want to hear any amen in all the women, but I will tell you this, there, you have something powerful on you, all right? You just don't need to manipulate us in this particular way. But it, it, it is something. Can I tell you, I've seen people do this, the, the, the hand of God be upon their life, and one small thing tilt them off course. Can I tell you, the devil still, he ain't got no new tricks. So it says this, and Elijah was afraid and rose and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So he goes off by himself. He's like, I don't need you. I'm going to stay worried all by myself. But he himself traveled a day's journey into a wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree and asked that he might die. He said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He laid down and slept on the juniper tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. Oh my gosh, think about this in context of all the things that the Lord has already done through him. And now a woman threatens him just a little bit, and he is losing his ever-living mind. He looked up, and by his head there was a bread cake baked on hot coals and a pitcher of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came to him again the second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat the... Eat for the journey of, uh, journey is too long for you without adequate sustenance. So he got up and dr- ate and drank. And with, with the strength of that food, he traveled 40 days and nights to Orb, the mountain of God. Now, and then it's this. Then, there he came to a cave. I want to point something out about something in faith that he says. He said he traveled 40 days and nights to Orb, the mountain of God. I want to remind you in Scripture what happened in the book of Exodus at the mountain of God of Orb here. This is the place where Moses had the burning bush experience. This is also the place where the Ten Commandments were wrote and Moses talked to God face to face. No one ever in Scripture today in history have talked to the Lord face to face without dying. So this is a place of power. This is a place of strength. This is a place of instruction. But even in a place of power, strength, and instruction, you can find a cave to go in if you want to. The choice is yours. It don't matter how, what kind of move of God. I've seen it before. Even when the anointing is flowing in the room, if you come in with an attitude and you hold on to the attitude, you ain't going to get what God has in store for you. I don't care how anointed it is. You've got to open your heart to receive the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing? You can lead a horse, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Are you hearing me this morning? And so you can be in the same place. This is where a move of God happened. This is where God did something big, but it was something little in him because he couldn't get past the woman. Man, this is a word for us today. So it says there, he came to a cave and spent the night in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord, as I read this again, I read 16, 17, 18, and 19 this morning. The Lord wanted me to remind you today, man of God, woman of God, mother, father, husband, wife, what are you doing in the cave? If you're in the cave, this word's for you. He said, I've been very zealous in passion for the Lord God of hosts armies, proclaiming what is rightfully and uniquely his. For the sons of Israel have abandoned, broken your covenant. 
this ain't my fault. This is everybody else's fault. Your covenant, torn down your altars. It's my kids, it's my husband. It's the people that I work with. It's the society that I'm in. And killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, am left. And they seek to take away my life. This ain't about me. This is about them. So he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great powerful wind was tearing out the mountain. Remember, this is a place where the Ten Commandments were wrote. I mean, I know there was some moving and shaking going on when God's finger wrote on a tablet. And breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And it, after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle blowing. When Elijah heard the sound, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here? He says it again. And, and, and Elijah, he is sticking to his MO. I can't get past this. This is just what I'm holding on to. He says the very same things as he says in verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord of God of hosts because the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I am left, and they seek to take away my life. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram. It doesn't matter how depressed you get. God still has for orders for you to fulfill. Verse 16, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, the king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah. And as prophet in your place, it shall come about that Jehu shall put to death whoever escapes from the sword of Heziel, and Elisha shall put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. I want to talk this morning from this topic. Dealing with depression. First of all, I want to point something out about this. Just because you are in a place of depression or came out of a place of depression or you feel like you're going into a place of depression, I want to tell you that God's not... I can go ahead and tell you from this text that God's not through with you. Amen. And I want to tell you this, that there's the difference between depression, oppression, and possession. There's a difference. Oppression is something that is forced on you. There's countries of people that are pressed, not because of the decisions that they made, but because of people that made before them. But depression is decisions that you make over you. And if you're not careful and if you don't deal with depression or oppression, that's when possession comes in. And I said this in the first service, and I, I may bring this up, but I, there's a great movie that's out called Come Out in Jesus' Name. And how many of y'all know God's still in the deliverance business? But I truly believe this. I have a hard time people uh, having these services when they're in these churches full of all these so-called saved people. And there is 250 people having devils cast out of them. Either the word's not being preached there or people really aren't saved. Because if it's under the blood, he has no power to possess you anymore. Are you hearing me this morning? And there's a lot of stuff that's going around right now. I'm telling you, I've been in the church long enough. You can manipulate people long enough to even get healed. People come to a healing line where people are really getting healed. But I've seen it before. They get in a line, and they don't want to tell the preacher no. 
Did you get healed? Yes. They go back to their seat just because they don't want to feel left out. And can I tell you, there's lots of stuff that's going across America today. I'm just here to tell you this. Somebody asked me, they said, I want to see, you know, more manifestations, and I want to see that. No, I want to have a service where the Holy Spirit's willing to do whatever he wants to do, and he heals people, sets people free, delivers people, whatever he wants to do. I'm not going to put him in a box and just say, this is all that he can do. How many of y'all know he can do more than enough? That no matter what you come in here with, God can set you free, whatever's heavy on you. And I'm not going to put him in a box. I'm sorry, I'm not, we need to have a deliverance service. No, we don't. We just need to have a Holy Ghost service and let him do whatever he needs to do. Are you hearing me this morning? Sorry to get off on that soapbox. But let me get on this soapbox as well. Christians, take this out of your repertoire. I see it on Facebook and I hear other people say this. The devil made me do it. Or this, they blame stuff on the devil when all reality, it was your stupidity. I blew out three tires this week. The devil's really after me. I saw your tires and you needed to replace them nine months ago. That is not the devil. That's you being dumb. Let's not give the devil credit for anything. In fact, I brought something up in the first service. There's only three people that the devil actually one-on-one dealt with in Scripture. Eve, through the serpent. Number two, Job. Number three, Jesus. And if you think you're just so hot stuff that the devil comes to you, you're crazy. Are you, can I be real with y'all this morning? Come on, you're like, you, you should be afraid. You know, you're, you're stepping on the devil's toes. Yes, I am. I do it for a living, and I enjoy it. Well, he's going to come after you. He can't come after somebody that's under the blood of Jesus. I ain't afraid of him. You know, I, I was telling the first service, I mean, is it right if I'm just humble before you guys? When I was, first started leading worship, there was this song that Great Divide sang, and I love Great Divide. I, I, I mean, y'all know who Great Divide is, who, who I'm talking about, all right? Texas country. Me and Brandy went to, um, um, you know, grew up, we were dating, loved the Great Divide and, and cross-Canadian ragweed and those types of bands like that. But there was this song, the Great Divide thing, and I, I said, man, I got to sing it in church. And it goes like this, I found Jesus, and I have laid my burdens down. I found Jesus. And he gave to me crown, gives me power, so you can polish my stones. Mr. Devil, leave my crown and me alone. So I'd sing that. And just like JC, he would clap of us singing to the devil. I'd like, people really like this song. Yeah, because they were singing at the bar last night, <laughs> you know. It wasn't until I got older in my faith that even some hymns, there were some hymns out there that it's singing to the devil of what we don't. Can I tell you this? I don't even, I want to sing to the devil. I don't want to give credit to the devil for anything. I'm telling you, he is a defeated foe. And forget him. There'd be times where I'd say, you listen up. No, I ain't even talking to you. I'm ignoring you. You suck. I'm just, telling, I'm just telling you this. Quit 
giving credit to the devil. The devil didn't make you do nothing. Now, I believe there can be some demonic activity. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God comes what? To give life and life more abundantly. I'm just saying, I'm not going to focus on what has been. I'm going to focus on what has already happened. And I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. I heard T.L. Osborne, I was listening to some old T.L. Osborne, he said there's one thing that Christians need to stop praying for. They need to stop praying for things that God's already done. So true. Is that not true? So true. All right, what am I even preaching about? All right, depression. How many of y'all know we live in a place today where people are depressed? Number one is this, write this down, symptoms of depression. I better get in my message. 11.35. Oh, Lord. Guide me. Number one is this. When, you, when you're going... How many of y'all would agree him being under the tree and him being or, uh, in a cave, he is at a depressed state? I believe this with all my heart. Okay? I believe he is. Remember the same passions and likes of Elijah? Same things that we deal with. And so number one is this. The first symptom that I see here is he, what does he say? And he came and sat down. Remember all the things that God did for him. Everything. So we see now in 19 and verse 4, but he himself traveled the day's journey in the wilderness and he came and sat down under a juniper tree and asked that he might die. He wants to die. God, just kill me. I know you used me to kill 450 men. I know that I called fire down from heaven. I know because of my prayer that the drought dried up. I know that a man's been raised from the dead. Can I tell you one symptom of depression is this? When you exaggerate everything. We call it today drama. Can I tell you, you've got to be very careful of the words that come out of your mouth. All right, those of you that have kids, all right, I have kids. Don't look at me judgmental. They're preacher's kids. They're not perfect. They'll say this, this is the worst day ever. I'm like, yeah, I know the AC's really terrible when it's 105 out. Right? What are we doing? We're focusing on the wrong thing, and we exaggerate the thing that is big. Bigger, even if it's small. Remember all the big things God did? Now, one little thing, a woman... And he exaggerates that bigger than it is. Life and death's in the power of the tongue. I just want to die. No, you don't. You want attention. Is that not the truth? I, I told the story, and I want to tell a little bit different than the first service, but uh, there was a guy from Life Challenge who was in this church. Him and his wife had been married three or four years. He had had a problem with drug and alcohol abuse. But for their anniversary night, he thought, she thought it would be cool to get a glass of champagne. Oh, no, is right. Get champagne. He gets a little buzz. He leaves straight from there, goes to the boulevard, gets methamphetamines. Gets addicted to drugs for six months. Then he comes back to us for help. We put him inside of Life Challenge. He's obviously smarter than Life Challenge. Been there for five months. Couldn't, uh, couldn't submit to authority. Then he gets out. And he starts getting higher in a Georgia pine tree all the time. And he calls me. And I remember he would, he would call me out of the blue. And he would say, I, I want to die. 
And I would give him wisdom from Forrest Gump. I'd say, stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> you rise and fall to the level of your friends. Life is a setup, and this is the way you have set this up. So humble yourself. Go back to life challenge. Put, turn yourself in there. Do it for 12 months. See what God can do. No, I don't want to do that. And he would call me. Oh, this is the worst day ever. This reminds me of, of, of uh, uh, nine years ago when I lost my dad. And all this. I mean, I, listen, I'm not compassionate of the thing. All of us have gone through stuff. But I'm not sticking a needle in my arm. So he calls me one night and he said, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I said, stop screaming at me. I heard you say it silently that you're going to kill yourself. I'm going to kill myself. I said, where are you? He told me the address. I said, good. I got off the phone and called the cops. I said, all right. There's a drug addict at such and such street. Go see him. He wants to kill himself. All right. I called him back and said, hey, the cops are on their way. I ain't got time to deal with you right now. You may think I'm incompassionate, but can I tell you right now? He's like 200 pounds overweight. He is obviously not smoking meth anymore. And he is serving God and doing things for the kingdom of God. But he was exaggerating something way bigger. What was he doing? He was making something that's defeated bigger than the thing already God had done in his life. Are you hearing me? When you begin to exaggerate things, it's the worst day ever. I, I, I just don't know that I can go through with this, all that different stuff. Listen, that is a symptom that you're going down a road that you don't want to go down. Here's number two. He says this, it is not, is it enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. The number two thing is this, when you bring up the past in a negative way. Can I tell you, there's kids committing suicide today. You know why? Because of cell phones. It's because they can't escape the past of something that happened five minutes or five years ago. They go back on text messages of said things that were said that they can't get away from. See, when you bring up the past over and over and over, how many know God's called you to a future and a hope? Are you hearing me? God's called us to a future and a hope. So when you bring up the past, and I'm not against bringing up the past. I am bringing it up negatively. I was at a soccer game with Anson, and there was somebody I ran into that was friends with my, my cousin, Randall Rogers. And he said, Dad, how do you know that person? I said, oh, him and Randall were big buddies. He goes, Randall, your cousin that died? I said, yeah, Aunt Donna's boy. And he began to ask me questions. He's done this several times before. He began to ask me questions about Randall. How much older was Randall? When was his birthday? July 4th, same as Rachel's. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, he's, tell me stories of things that you do together. All right, I'm going to tell you this in a G-rated term. All right? <laughs> right? Got my cousins right here. You know what I'm talking about? Of our life, B.C., before Christ. Aren't you thankful we're saved for our children? Praise the Lord. But uh, things I did with Randall, wild as a buck deer. And I told him, I, and, and he said, do you miss him? I said, son, I, it, it ministers to me when I get to tell you stories about Randall. Because I, I want to, rem, I, I want to, the Bible tells us this in Isaiah 66, verse 22. It says, as for the new heavens and the new earth shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your name and your descendants remain. I, I said this, a name and kids never die. I said, I'm, I want to keep the name of Randall still in this family. And Rachel did that by naming their boy Randall. I think that's so awesome. But 
in the, in the, uh, in the same sense, I brought it up in a positive way. But when people come into my office and they go down the checklist, where do, you, where do we start? In 2007, in 2008, in 2009, 2010, also in 2010, also in 2010. 2010 was bad. Can I tell you something happened to me in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, but I didn't write it down. Come on, all of us have a story to tell of things that have happened in our life. But I'm just telling you this, when you bring up the past over and over and over, look out because you're going down a road you don't, it's hard to come back from. Are you hearing me this morning? Number three is this, symptoms of it is when you isolate yourself. How many of y'all know, when you choose to isolate yourself, when you choose, when you choose to isolate yourself, oh boy, howdy. It's a scary place to be. Can we all agree in 2020, people that died in nursing homes weren't dying from COVID. They were dying because they were isolated from their family. How many of y'all know the Bible tells us this in the book of Hebrews? He said, forsake not the assembly of saints together because there is something of an anointing on Mike and Shirley's life that I need on mine. The things that God has brought them out of and that God is bringing them through right now, I'm telling you, I need that encouragement in my life. It's encouragement to me that you're in the house of the Lord today. Come on. God is healing Shirley's body right now as we speak in Jesus' name. And so when you begin to isolate yourself, I'm telling you, this is what you're doing. You are having a pity party that you don't invite anyone else to that don't feel sorry for you because you're all by yourself. Are you hearing me? That's why during those times, you've got to make the decision. I will rise up. I will get off the couch, and I will do something. I watched this video the other day of this monk. He gave wisdom. He said this. Today, in today's culture, there is more people depressed than any other time. And he was, he was a firm believer of this. Because doctors have told you you're depressed. Would you agree? People are medicating people and then they're like zombies. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Can I just be honest with you? Well, this, the, in fact, this is what he said. He said back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, he said we didn't have all of these things to distract our time. Makes so much sense. So when you get off or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you take care of your kids and things like that, but you always have something in front of you taking you away from a purpose of what you really can be doing. Because how many of y'all know when you have purpose, it goes to the calling of God for your life. It goes along with the calling of God for your life. And there's so many people, they get off work, they go to the couch and they watch the TV. And can I tell you, when you sit and when you isolate, good, look out, you're going down a road you don't need to go down. And that's what the Bible said that he did. He, what did he do? He got himself. We see there in verse 3, which belonged, and he left his servant there. I'm going to leave you at the place of victory, and I'm going to go over here to the place where I can feel sorry for myself. Is anybody getting anything out of the word this morning? So I gave you the symptoms of, of depression. Number two, I'm going to give you the reasons why people get depressed. Reasons people get depressed. 
Number one is this. This is the biggest one. Vulnerability after victories. Can I tell you, look in history. When people have a victory, there's a vulnerability that comes over them. I, I told Shannon and the guys, this, this, uh, Pastor Shannon and the guys this morning, that the, the, the most I pray for the life challenge guys is when they graduate. That's when it gets tough. Why? Because they're in a 12-month Bible-based program where every single day they're in the Word, every single day they're in prayer together, every single day they're with people that build each other up, and now they graduate, they get cell phones, and move out into the real world. How many of y'all know it's after victories? I want you to think about it. Noah, he had no problem. God gave him vision. He built an ark. Everybody made fun of him. It's never rained here before. What are you doing? You're a crazy person. Well, it's going to. It's going to rain. Well, what is rain? I don't know, but it's going to. Well, you're crazy. I know. Builds an ark. Two by two. They all go in. His whole family. Now, the floods the earth. And years later, as they come to, uh, when, when uh, the bird comes back and shows them there's land, they go to it. Where did he mess up? He got out of the ark. And he lost his ever-living mind. Big victory in his life. Think about David. He killed the only Goliath in the land. After that victory, he went, you know why it is? It's because we don't realize all the things that we did to get the victory. Those were things that we needed in order to attain the victory. So I'm telling you, you can't stop doing the things. Your marriage is good because when you were dating, you paid attention with one another. Can I tell you, there's times where Pastor Brandy comes to me and says, I need a date Friday night, and I need your eyeballs for two hours. Why? Because I'm busy with the kids, busy with horses, busy with people inside of the church. And the one thing that I love the most, if I'm not careful, I will lose because I got the victory on August the 19th, 2005. But if I'm not careful to do the things that I did up until August 19th, 2005, I will lose her overnight. Are you hearing me this morning? Man, this word is so true. He had just had big victories in his life. And it's, can I tell you, the most vulnerable I am where the enemy comes and attacks me the most is on Sunday afternoons when I go home. Can you believe you said that? And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> and he'll say, you know what? So-and-so didn't look like they're going to leave the church. Or, or he'll just start planning all these things inside of my head rather than me. How about we do this? First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, be thankful in all seasons. Yeah, that might have happened, but five people got saved. Yeah, you might have said that, but you know what? I'm going to rejoice in the things that get me up rather than the things that bring me down. And I, 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 I'm going I'm to remind myself I'm the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. So you need to be careful. When you have wins in your life, you need to realize you had a win for a reason. Not by you doing nothing, but by you doing something. Number two is this. I believe, people, I, I believe there's a reason that people... Um, uh, go into a depressed state. Number two is this, is fatigue. He's tired. He just outran a chariot. Who wouldn't be tired after that? He killed 450 prophets. No rest for the wicked. It's like, 
killed 450 prophets, calls fire down from heaven, 450 prophets, and then he went into a posture of prayer. Begin to pray. All right. How big's the cloud? All right. Now I'm going to outrun a, a chariot. How many of y'all know? He's tired. He's wore out. How many of y'all make, know this? That you make stupid decisions that will depress you when you are tired? How many of y'all know you will say things? I, I've made this decision. I am not going to argue with Brandy when I'm tired. Or hungry. <laughs> you hungry? <laughs> uh, no, I'm hangry. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll pick it up. It's 11.51. Y'all bear with me now. <laughs> I mean, y'all know we, we do and say things when we're tired that we wouldn't have to particularly say or do when we're not. And so what I, what I, he, so he's fatigued. That's another thing that I believe is a reason. Number three is this, and this one's a big one. Disappointed expectations. It's easy for us to go into a depressed place when we don't understand why. He's like, God, I did all of this stuff for you. Why can't you take care of her? She cray cray. She's nuts. She's beyond my control. I can't deal with her. Will you please deal with her? Will you do something about this? God, I thought really, how many of y'all have ever been there before? I thought, God, I thought, no. Can I tell you, doing, doing funerals and just being a pastor, there's many times people come in my office and they said, why did this happen? And, and I'm just have to be honest with them. I don't know. This is beyond my realm. And if I knew the answer of why, the world would be messed up from a horseshoe and preacher. Because I say and do things that are wrong all the time. But I have, to, I have to tell you this, that we serve a sovereign God. We serve a God that is faithful. I love it in 2 Timothy where he said this, Lord, even when I'm unfaithful, God, you always remain faithful. And I may not understand this. And I, when I get to heaven, he said, somebody told me the other day, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him this. I said, I'm going to ask him how many animals were on the ark. I'm getting sick of asking that question. I really don't know. I don't care. Can I tell you, be the same way when you get to heaven? You ain't going to care when you get to heaven. You're going to be in the presence of the Almighty God. Who cares about what happened on this fleshly earth? Where's my husband at? <laughs> you be, come on. We are the bride of Christ. The only husband you should be looking for is the one who is on uh, uh, the throne. Amen? Disappointed expectations. When we get disappointed, number one, vulnerability after victories will lead, is a reason for depression. Fatigue will lead to depression. Disappointment, disappointment. Uh, Disappointed expectations will lead to depression. And I'm not telling you that this is all the answers. I'm sure Dr. Phil would tell you something totally different. But this is just something that I see in the Word of God in our text. But what I love about this, he may have had symptoms of depression. He may have been depressed. And there's reasons that he were depressed. But I see in the text that God still used him to be a mighty force in the land. And I'm here to tell you that the same nature that was in him is still on the inside of you. And if God can do it for Elijah, God can do it for you. I'm coming to a close. Last three is this. I want to give you the cure that I believe we see in the text. The cure for... Uh, this story here, the cure for depression. The first one I see, I want to write this down. Number one, write it down. Rest. 
The Lord really gave me revelation of this back in February when I had my hernia surgery. When I just was in my house for like four days, I was like, man, I really love my house. I'm not here enough. I really like it. But can I tell you, if you stay in the house too long, it'll lead to depression as well. Are you hearing me? But there comes a time. To, and can I tell you what I love about this text, just looking at it, the Lord doesn't rebuke him or find fault with him, but simply says, Elijah, what are you doing? And then he says right there when the angel comes to him, here's some food, but go to sleep because rest is so important. I believe much of the reason we get depressed needlessly is because we have failed to follow the principle of God that tells us that we need rest. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, 13, as I was looking at this this morning, New King James, it says this, If you turn away from your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, verse 14, then you shall delight. Everybody say delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look at this. The Lord says that those who honor his Sabbath will ride on high places. How many of y'all know God's called us from glory to glory, from faith to faith? How many of y'all know God's called us to have a heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective? Are you hearing me this morning? And so in this particular thing, he said, when you get rest, I will take you to the high places and take you out of the dark places. Are you hearing me this morning? I mean, I hope you are. In other words, they won't end up in the valley of depression. God wants us to take a Sabbath. I want you to think about this. When he was creating the earth, he didn't rest because he was tired on the Sabbath. Or like, he didn't say, woo, that, you know, oh my gosh, this creation stuff is rough. How many of y'all know he didn't say this? I'm beat. I'm, uh, you know, I'm smoked. This is really wearing me out. Nor did he rest because he was totally finished with all the possibilities of creation. How many of y'all know he could have kept on creating? Let's say that again. How many of y'all know our God that we serve, he could have kept on creating? He could have kept on creating until there would be no room for us here even on this planet. But he rested on the seventh day in order to teach us that we too must stop even if we're not tired, even if we're not finished, and you might have the capacity to go seven days of work, seven days a week. But I'll tell you this, it will catch up to you. And at some point, you'll burn out and you'll find yourself in a cave. Can I tell you this works for me? Can I just be completely honest with you? I'm telling you, I had the motto, even in Bible school, with my friends, you can sleep when you're dead. Let's just go, 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 go. Like, I, I have no problems burning the candle at both ends. Let's do it. Let's go after it. And not that I, I was at a place where I used to need it. I don't need it anymore. But I just, there's just something in me that I just want to be. Row, row, row your boat. Keep row, row, rowing. But I'm here to tell you this with all honesty. The word of the Lord spoke to me when I, was, when I had that hernia. Son, you need to do this. You need to rest. Not for now, 
but for the long term. God's called me. God's called me to parent my kids all the days of their lives. To be a spouse to Brandy for many years. To enjoy the roses today. Are you hearing me this morning? Number two is this. Write it down. Realization. Number one is rest. Number two is realization. Can I tell you, you'll move out of depression when you realize that God is on the throne and that nothing happens without His permission. Can I tell you, people of God, I think it's impossible for a person who believes in the sovereignty of God, in the power of God, and in the love of God to get depressed over circumstances. Only, It's only when I no longer believe God is sovereign, when I no longer believe He's powerful, when I no longer believe in the love of God. That's why God came to Elijah in the still, small voice in the way he least expected. You need to come to a realization that it says in Isaiah 55, His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You need to come to the realization He still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That He's still sitting on the throne. You need to come to that realization just like He does right here. What I love about this text right here, it says... Isn't it something that we go to a place? This is Mount... I, I talked about this is the place where God came. This is Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were birthed. And I'm sure it was a place where the earthquake happened all the time. I'm sure it was where wind happened all the time. But can I tell you, we make the same mistake as Elijah all the time. We think to ourselves this. In 1999, I went to that camp meeting over there in Tulsa, Oklahoma with Brother Kenneth Hagin, And the Word of the Lord spoke to me. And now you're like, all I need to do is go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I need to listen to that message again. The Lord's going to speak to me again. Can I tell you, that's the earthquake. And it was not in the earthquake. You know what I need to do? I need to go, uh, uh, I need to meet up with these particular people. You need to sit there, 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 because this is the way it happened that particular night that God spoke to me. He's not in the wind. You know what he's in? He's in the still small voice. How many of y'all know And that still small voice is always there and this is what you do. You get rid of the distractions and that's what happens when you rest. You get rid of the distractions. You get rid of the things that are pulling you. I, I talked to someone this week. He said, I have so many voices inside of my head. Yeah, they're called TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, CNN, the radio, your friends. That's why it's so important for us to fast at the beginning of the year and even in the middle of the year or a time in your life when you need to hear from God, you fast. Because you get rid of all of those things and you come to the realization. The only reason I'm here and even up against this thing that I need to make a decision about is because God loves me and He has a plan for my life. I need to realize that God is in control. Are you hearing me this morning? I hope you are. Oh man, get this word inside of your heart. He's in the still small voice. And if Jesse was at the back of the room and I whispered, he couldn't hear me. He'd have to get close to me, meaning he would have to get things out of the way to get as close as he could to me to hear the whisper. Can I tell you, God's calling you to get things out of the way so you can hear the whisper of God as well. Number three is this, reach out. Let's say this one more time. Where people fall 
is shame, guilt, and condemnation. They put themselves, think about this. This was the place where a move of God happened, and he still found a cave. We can always find a cave. We can always find a cave. A cave of shoulda, woulda, coulda. I should have done this. I should have done that. There's a cave at every corner if you choose to go inside of it. Forsake not the assembly of saints together. He needed to reach out. What I love about this, he says, you've got work to do. You need to anoint two kings. Then I want you to anoint the disciple Elisha. I want you to get busy, start serving. There are lives that need to be touched, works to be done, ministry to move in. Get out of the cave and get going. Can I tell you right now, Dad, if there is sin in your life and you're in the cave in this sin and you don't think anybody knows it, can I tell you, your family will suffer from it. You want freedom? You're like, they don't know. Oh, they know. Keep lying to yourself. They know. They know something's up with that. They know something's up with you, Mom. If you're in a cave down something, you know where freedom comes? You know how you deal with darkness? You put light on it. Wherever there is light, darkness never wins. Ever. We were in Burnett, Texas, down in the caves, down in there. I pulled up my cell phone. I'm telling you, it was darker than pitch, as my granny would say. I turned on my light. And even though that light was still so small, it still overcame the darkness in the room. Like, we saw that more. We were attracted to that more than the darkness. That's what a little bit of light can do. Can, we, can I tell you this morning, we serve the light of the world. And its name is Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? I know of no... Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm coming to a close. I know of no more practical truth than this one. When you're discouraged and despairing, the tendency will be to hide in a cave and feel sorry for yourself. Right? But the cure for that is just the opposite, to find people to disciple. What did he tell him to do? I want you to anoint two kings. I know you're depressed, Elijah, but this is what I want you to do. You need to anoint two kings, and you need to have somebody under you. Can I tell you, people are dying today with the baton in their hands. Dad, don't die with the baton in your hands. You have kids in your life for a reason. And what happens is, as you begin to teach the next generation, you'll forget about the depression that you're in. Listen, Mom, when you do what God's called you to do, have the girls inside of the kitchen helping them, you know, build a cake or, or cook or serve or whatever it is that you're, no, you're good at or whatever's great with you or dads, it's the same way with you. You will forget about the depressed state you're in because God's put a purpose in you to teach somebody else. Take the mind off of you. We have Toby Keith's disease. Talking about me, 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 usually. And occasionally, we talk about you. Come on. How about we do what God's called us to? A whole new level. When I'm feeling unappreciated or neglected, if I reach out to someone else, my own selfishness dissipates. It's the secret of happiness. Get your eyes off yourself. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and start reaching out for Jesus' sake and somebody else. And as you begin to do this, you'll feel the presence of the Lord flowing through the, you. 
You'll feel a smile on your face, a spring in your step, a fervency of prayer, a joy in your heart. The choice is yours. You can either be a caveman or you can be a man of God. You can either be a caveman or a man of power. You can either be a caveman or a man of strength. You can either be a caveman or a man of joy. Ladies, I'm talking to you as well. It's the cure that is prescribed by the great physician himself. For a man just like us, it's the same prescription that works for you and I. Let's rest. Let's realize. Let's reach out. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.